Welcome to the Lead Defend Podcast, a show designed to help you grow in faith and leadership as you navigate the stages of young adulthood. We address important faith topics and provide practical life tips, helping you build up your faith as you engage a changing culture. Now, here are your hosts. Hey, this is Ryan and Brock. Welcome to Lead Defend Podcast. We're so grateful you're here. We have with us a special guest. He is a regional uh, icon, a statewide legend. He actually helped start the Lead Defend Conference. Mr. Worldwide. Mr. Worldwide. Wherever you are, Chris Coleman is special to you, or he, he will be after this episode. He will. Chris currently leads the College and Young Adults Ministry at First Baptist Rogers, but he's been influential in collegiate ministry across the state. He served in the armed forces, uh, and Chris is just really passionate about apologetics. Yes. Which leads us to our topic of the day. Yeah, we're talking about agreeing disagreeably or disagreeing agreeably is what we're actually talking about. Hey, there's a lot of things to disagree about. There are. Brock, pineapple on pizza? No, not no, a fan. Me either. I'm, not I'm a all fan. in on that. I like pineapple and pizza. You do? Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I'm not a fan. What about Popeyes versus Chick fil A? Popeyes. Ooh, man. 100%. Yeah, I think Popeyes, what do you Popeyes. Just because of the sides that come with Popeyes. That chicken sandwich, when that chicken sandwich came down, it changed See, the it world. See, it was too much, too much batter. It, it, it created a lot of conflict. Too much Talking batter. About, yeah, there was too, it's too stuff, much man. breading. All right, Pepsi or Coke? Coke. Coke. Not even. Uh, yeah, yeah. Coke. Not even. Well, you can look. When the University of Arkansas. Resign the Coke contract, their winning percentages went up. Did they really? Yep. Our, oh, wow. our percentages are lower when we have Pepsi than Just when we have football. Coke. Uh, no, literally. Like, I mean, we've done across, better with Coke on campus than across, we ever have with Pepsi. Across the board. So Across the board. Yeah, a lot of things that people disagree about, a lot of things that cause conflict. Some, most, that we're going to talk about today, much more serious than that. Talking about sure. religion, talking about politics, talking about the things that you probably got in a Facebook argument, or no one uses Facebook that's listening to this podcast, Snapchat. TikTok argument. Do that people get in Snapchat arguments? I don't know. Maybe they have. Is, is, I think Snapchat's maybe just. But a, I'll tell you, it is true. The world is more polarized and toxic, perhaps, yeah. than ever before. For well, sure. yeah, and you have a narrative out there now that on certain topics, if you disagree on that topic, then yeah. you hate each other. It's called, yeah. called hate speech. So the know. question, yeah. Chris, how did we get here? Yeah. So how did we get here? I, you know, uh, this is just speculation. There's not hard data to point here, but uh, but I think even going back. Um, you know, you go back two generations in our country as to what the the general population looked like, uh, what the general beliefs were in our country, and uh, and you had some things that were pretty accepted absolutes, uh, sure. some moral absolutes, some things that you know people would define. Well, yeah, obviously that's wrong or that's right, or obviously consensus they call it. Yeah, or that that person is a male or that person is a female to get more political hmm. here uh, on where we're at. And now as we progressed and move forward in this, and progressed, I think I, I'm using progressed with quotes here, as we've progressed, um, now those, those absolutes can't be necessarily assumed in people's hearts and their minds. Yeah. Hmm. And, uh, and there's a passage, actually, um, you know, the Scripture talks about, and, and to, the, uh, to the Jews, the cross was a stumbling block, but right. to the Gentiles, it was foolishness. Right. Yeah. And so especially when we're talking about where uh, our Christian faith collides with what's going on in the culture on some of these topics— uh, if you go back 100, 150 years in our country, and I ask you, were we primarily a Jewish culture in our thinking, meaning that there was a, at least an assumed understanding in the culture that there's a God who created everything, and therefore that God defines what is right, what mm-hmm. is wrong, what is moral, what is immoral, versus a Greek or a Gentile mindset where, you know, in, in this passage, they talk about the stumbling block, you know, for the Jews, they had that basic understanding, that foundational understanding. So when they encounter the cross, it's a stumbling block for them. But they're on the right path. They just stumbled on the path. 
Whereas this Greek mindset, they're coming from polytheistic where you can't assume the same morals. You mm. can't assume the same uh, what, what we would call absolute truths. And so as they approach the cross and you start talking about being lost or being a sinner or, well, who's to say what sin is? Who's mm. to say what is right and wrong? And, uh, and so today in our culture, we just can't make, it's not the same assumption. You can't assume yeah. that people are coming from a Jewish mindset because a lot of them are Greek mindset. It's yeah. polytheistic at this point. Yeah, when you talk to somebody about any given issue, you could be, ta- you, you could be starting from a completely different set of presuppositions. Hmm. You, you can't really know what they are going to think or what worldview or framework, what foundation. Some of those building blocks like you were talking about that most people would have agreed upon uh, even a couple hundred years ago, um, even as soon as probably about 50 years ago, really isn't the case today. So while I introduced the topic, I think, backwards earlier, how is it that we disagree agreeably? And as we're talking about disagreeing agreeably, why is it that everything is so inflamed right now? Why, why is it that not only are people starting from different sets of presuppositions, but why is it that when they find these areas of impasse with one another, why is it that all of a sudden, you know, conflict is immediately the first thing that arises rather than conversation? I I think that's a great question, and I think a lot of it— You didn't think mine was a great question? (laughs) It it was a decent question. Okay, okay, good. good. I thought it was a good question. Is this disagreement about to go down right here? Like, you're going to teach us live how to disagree. Hey, we got some boxing gloves in the next room if we want to have some extra lead defend content. Oh, there we go, there we go. There we go. are you sure you want to get into that? I was about to say, <laughs> I mean, this man's been shot by a monkey. Back to uh, it. How do we that, disagree yeah. agreeably, Chris Coleman? Um, so first off, I, there's a word that gets thrown around a lot in our culture, and it's a very important word for us in Christendom because the Bible specifically says in John 13 and again in John 15, and this is how you'll be known as my disciples, by your love for one another. Mm-hmm. You look at the culture by and large, and let's say I, I, I'll use First Baptist Rogers, my home church, and uh, and I'm not saying this wouldn't be the defining thing. I think we do mm-hmm. a great job at this being missional. But you survey the non-believers, just the general population in a city, and say, hey, what do you think about Christians, or what do you think about First Baptist Rogers? All mm-hmm. right, Or is love anywhere in the top five words that come out mm-hmm. on the front end wow. of that? And if it's not, uh, then why not? Or, Ryan, mm-hmm. you're at the University of Arkansas for the Baptist Collegiate Ministry. If I went on your campus and said, hey, give me the first five words that come to mind when I say BCM on mm-hmm. your campus. Is there nothing because you don't know what it is, or what are those things? Uh, now so you, now you important. have me wanting to go to his BCM students and say, what are the first five words that come to your mind when you when you hear the, the name Ryan Scantling? Uh-oh. Oh, there you go. Yeah, if love's one of those, you would ask for <laughs> But what is love? Yeah, and Maybe in our culture hurt, uh, right now, I, I think part of the reason it's so polarizing, so many people, they're, they're looking to receive and give love, but they don't even know what that word means. Yeah, I mean, the Bible defines this very differently, and, and I was taught this definition early on in my faith, and, yep. uh, and I use it on a near-daily basis. But you, you take everything the Bible has to say about love, and you try to condense it down to one short man-made definition. Let's hear it. Love is choosing the highest good or best for God and others. Hmm. Love is choosing hmm. the highest good or best for God and others. So that's what love is, is choos- choosing someone's highest good or best. And so when you get into these discussions uh, about these topics that are hard, yeah. uh, one of the first things that I tell people is you need to identify what your motivation was to begin with when you went into this discussion. Hmm. Wow. Because if your motivation wasn't love to start with, you've already, you've already missed the boat. You're not even doing you know, Because the highest thing that we can do as Christians is point someone to Jesus. Right. Like that is choosing their highest good or best to point them to Christ. It's not, and it's you're not choosing someone's highest good or best to allow them to stay in sin and to redefine what sin is for them 
to make them comfortable in the conversation or to not stir uh, an argument or a disagreement, man. So, um, so I think first thing is define what love is, and, and <laughs> this is true both in these topics, whether you're dealing with uh, sexuality or political issues or whatever, but it's also true in a marriage. So both of you mm-hmm. guys are young guys. You haven't been married that long. Um, I've done a lot of premarital counseling. You can't be a young adult pastor for 20-some-odd years and not do premarital counseling because right. you do a lot of weddings. And I tell them a lot in conflict management, like, hey, when, as you're having a disagreement, if you're in it to win it, you're already lost. Hmm. Like, and that's, unfortunately, in our culture, because we're used to proving a point on social media, we want to pose an argument. This one. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> we we, we want to pose an argument. We want to seem right in the public forum. And so we're in it to win it. And, and then when we get into personal conversations about this with other people, we're in it to win it. We want to win the argument. Yeah. We want to prove, whether it's theologically or morally, we want to show ourselves superior. And, uh, and like guys, that cannot be our motivation. Is we, you go to talk to somebody that's dealing with bondage and sin, regardless of what that is, if your motivation is to simply show them they're wrong, hmm. like you're missing the boat. Wow. That's not the point. The point is to love them, to choose their highest good and best enough to point them towards the gospel. So it's not just showing someone they're, they're wrong, but why? Why yeah, are we why showing are we them they're yeah. wrong? Yeah, why, why are we showing them wrong? They, if, and again, if your motivation isn't love, then you've missed the point. Uh, but you're making a big claim there that there is wrong. Like, the oh, people yeah. say things that are wrong, and so that's where disagreement occurs. Yeah, well, and it's this whole mindset in our culture of, like, there are, oh, there are no absolute truths, which my first question that is, are you absolutely sure? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because, you know, that's an absolute in of itself. But, yeah, how do we define what is right and wrong? What is, and one of the big ones right now, and, guys, I, it's been interesting over the years uh, doing apologetics, working with young people. Uh, I do a lot of Q&As. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, on universities a lot, and um, I've got a pretty decent memory, and so I memorize most of what these questions are that come up at these events. The questions have shifted. So you look uh, 20-some-odd years ago when I started doing this, you, you, the front-end questions were evidential apologetics questions, which are, you know, like, hey, dinosaurs in the Bible, creation, evolution, that sort of stuff. How do we know God exists? How do we know God exists? The problem of evil and suffering. Like, that, that sort of stuff was pretty common questions on mm. the front end. The, the problem of evil and suffering, that one's persistent. It yeah. stays. But move forward, and it shifted. The questions on the front end, now you're still going to get some of the evidential ones, but the questions on the front end were questions on social justice issues. Yeah. So social justice became this big thing, and, and it stayed that way for several years. But now, guys, in the last four or five years doing Q&As, there's been another shift. And a lot of the questions now are actually, it's interesting, they're, they're more how do we relate to one another? How do we have real conversations? How do we have real relationships? Yeah. And the other aspect of it and where it comes down to is that it's what is identity? Hmm. That's really at the core. Uh, being at Collegiate Week this past, uh, this past August, uh, at Collegiate Week, listening to the speakers and where they started and where they drilled it, like it came back around. All the discussions and the, out, and the breakouts and all that, it all wrapped back around to identity in so many ways. Hmm. Because we had a generation right now that's seeking out identity. Yeah. Um, but the challenge, man, with identity is that's, that's volatile. I mean, you, you start trying to redefine what someone's identity is. Uh, you get someone that, uh, and this is actually one of your students at the University of Arkansas, um, made a comment. I, I was having a conversation with this young lady at a coffee shop, and she said, well, you know, I, I, uh, I've come to understand that um, my identity and my body don't match up. And so I want to get a procedure to change my body to match my identity. What's wrong with that? 
And where I challenged her was that, uh, let me just submit to you that perhaps the adjustment doesn't need to be in your body, but it needs to be in your understanding of your identity. Hmm. You're placing your entire identity in your sexuality, and that's selling yourself, and that's selling God short and always created you to be because you were created for more than sex. It's your identity that needs the adjustment. It's not uh, your body. And, um, and so uh, I know that's a volatile topic in and of itself. Oh, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I've kind of skewed us there. But the point, again, is what's your motivation as you're approaching and having these, these discussions? Yeah. It's got to be love. Uh, now, I also think, let me make this side comment, too, that there's a big difference, too, between having these discussions in the church with other believers and having these discussions outside the church with an sure. unbelieving world, too. So uh, those, those, there's a different approach to each one of those. What, what, what's the difference? Well, I mean, Romans 14, uh, except the one whose faith is weak and uh, without quarreling over what? You guys remember what the next two words are? Disputable matters. Mm-hmm. And so we, we as Christians, first off, got to identify what are our closed hand versus our open hand issues? Yeah. What are the issues that we're willing, you know, closed hand is the non-negotiables that we're willing to fight over versus open hand issues yeah. that, you know, are disputable matters. Because yeah. you can, when we're talking about disagreeing agreeably, finding a way to find common ground and, and disagree with people, but at the same time, not just completely writing them off or, or losing their relationship. It can happen. Like we, I think we automatically go to that happening outside the church. But if we're honest, there can be some pretty big disagreements that happen even within yeah. Christian faith mm-hmm. community. So this isn't even just a how do we as Christians disagree agreeably with those who hold completely different other worldviews than us. It's also, hey, what are some principles for us to be able to get along with one another in the church who— we might have some of the, the basics, but then there's some other things that we're really passionate about. Hmm. I mean, we, we've seen this through politics, through the, the response to, to COVID. Like, there were people who all would claim similar starting points, yet at the same time, everything gets kind of volatile. And oh, yeah, that polarization is not just limited to the Mm-mm. lost and dying culture. It's, it's within the church, too. There's a lot of polarization going on right now. Yeah, so let's maybe start with, all right, so when we're in a conversation with someone, our, our mo- at, we at least know our motivations are right. We've, we've got that place that we start. But very quickly, we see that this person that we have some type of relationship with, to some degree, there is a, a, a distinct disagreement that has presented itself. Do we just go our separate ways and, and count it all loss? Or, like, w- what's the next well, step? No, I mean, Jesus's, the cry of Jesus's heart in the garden in John 17 was that we would be one as him and the Father are yeah. one. And so, like, that's, I don't think separating or going our separate ways is the, the answer in this. I think, first off, though, you uh, pray. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that sounds like the pat Sunday school answer, pray. Uh, but, guys, God, a wise man told me numerous times, God can accomplish more in a moment through prayer. Uh, than we can in a lifetime of yep. having these discussions. Yeah, and so, but I think that prayer isn't just we we default when I say prayer and think oh we're praying for that other person and their point of view and their heart to be open. But man, better mm-hmm. start by praying on your own heart, and making sure that you're even on Jesus's side in this topic. Mm. Uh, be open and be humble enough to know that you don't know all the answers and your theology isn't nobody's theology is a hundred percent correct. Mm. And uh, and so. Uh, starting with prayer, but the next thing I think, uh, and, and this even ties in with how I came to Christ, is ask questions. Yeah. Like, w- Christians tend to go into discussions making a lot of declarative statements, and mm. whether it's theological or moral statements or whatever, uh, ask questions mm. first. And, uh, and, and, and I'll use an example here. Um, 
outside of the church in this particular instance. But uh, let me u- use the example of witnessing to someone from Islam. Hmm. Um, and so, like, if you know me, you know I sp- I've spent a lot of time in, in the Muslim world, and uh, I know the Quran fairly well. I know I know the tenets of Islam. I know, guys. I ask Muslims a lot of questions that I know the textbook answers to. I know exactly what their belief system would say is the answer to that question. I'm not asking the the question to get a textbook response. Hmm. I'm asking the question because I want to hear them articulate why they believe what they believe. I'm asking the question because I want them to know that I value their point of view and where they're coming from enough mm-hmm. to sit and listen and yeah. to ask the question. And so what I'll do is I'll ask a lot of questions I know the answers to, and then I'll ask questions that overlap, mm-hmm. where I know that there's an overlap between Christianity and Islam, and then I'll go, oh, that's really interesting. There's something similar that, that we believe as Christians. Yeah. And then I get a chance to share. And so yeah. what's happening here, if we come up as Christians, I'm using this the Islam thing just as an example, but if we come as Christians and say, hey, let me tell you what, I, what we believe about Jesus, or let me tell you what we believe about you know, what your Quran says, the walls immediately come up. And you know, there's limited receptivity. Mm, the yeah. walls are up. They're on defense mode, which is the same thing we see happening on social media all the time. Everybody's on the defensive. And that's where the polarization comes in. But if you come in, you're asking lots of questions, and you go, oh, that's interesting. That, that, that we believe something similar as Christians. Well, now you've just gotten in and got to share the gospel before mm-hmm. the walls have come up. Uh, I kind of jokingly say it, you sucker punched them with the gospel in this instance. But that's how we get through that and, and begin to have a real open dialogue yeah. on something that we obviously have very diametrically opposed views on. Who is Jesus? What has Jesus come to accomplish? Um, and so, yeah, I think asking questions. Uh, for me, when I came to Christ, I came to Christ because I was at the University of Arkansas down on Dixon Street, and students came along and engaged me in conversation. And if they had opened the, the conversation with, uh, hey, let me tell you about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, it would have been a short conversation. Hmm. Uh, now, guys, I'm not saying that we shouldn't use evangelism methods. I, I train students in the three circles and lots of things. I'm saying be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. As oh, to, yeah. You know. And so, anyhow, I, I'll have to say what they did do is they asked me lots of questions. They showed they valued me. Uh, they engaged me in relationship, began inviting me to things. And as a result, here I sit 20-some-odd years later. Yeah, that's huge. And so while you're in the middle of disagreement, you're having this conversation, there's a back and forth, uh, your motive is love, but what's the end goal? You say the end goal is not to win the argument, and so what, what, what is the end goal of the conversation, of the disagreement? Well, for me, the end goal varies. The, the end end goal is always to point them back to, to identity in Christ, to, to coming to know Jesus. That's mm-hmm. the end goal. Um, because they're putting their identity everywhere except for in him. So the end goal is to see them get there. Now, I think there's some intermediate goals that often we have to do. First off, you may it may take dozens of conversations to see some real fruit in this sure. thing, and that's where we get impatient. Guys, God is not a microwaver. He's a marinator, <laughs> right? Uh, and so sometimes God marinates over time. He doesn't microwave the steak. Uh, yeah. Steaks aren't good in the microwave. Um so I, I think that's one of the key things is identify and pray ahead of time, hey, where do I want to land in this conversation this time? It's probably not going to land with them you know, falling on their face and, and crying out and repenting to God. But what it could land on is them questioning their worldview. It could land on them questioning what they've been putting their identity in. Hmm. And so those are the things that I pray for in the intermediate as I'm going into these conversations. Sometimes God just shows up and he's already prepared the way more than we realize. 
but most of the time that's not the norm. Yeah. Uh, most of the time it's, it's, it's a bunch of intermediate conversations with intermediate goals before we ever get to the final goal, and that is calling them a brother and sister in Christ. Chris, talking about these hard conversations, whether it's over LGBTQ issues, uh, different religions, uh, or just confronting somebody with sin in their life that's obvious, as you talk about it, I can just sense people being stressed. <laughs> They're like, oh, I have this friend. We need to have this conversation. But I would much rather just not. And so why would you even encourage them to engage in the conversation in the first place? Is it important to engage in the I conversation? Mean, Again, you want to say about your friend, oh, I love my friend, I care about my friend. Mm. But love is choosing the highest good or best for that person. Yeah. And to not present the most important relationship they're ever going to have in their life to them, to not help them put their value and their identity and their sustenance and their source in Christ mm. versus all the other things, you're not loving that person. And uh, that, that's not love. And, and so, in fact, that's selfishness. You're choosing your wow. comfort over an uncomfortable conversation with this person. And you're just not, that's not really truly loving. Um, I, I think you, you've got to, the question is, do you love that person enough to have an uncomfortable conversation? That's, that's, really that's a big question. That's huge. Uh, as we think about wrapping up, Chris, anything that you would give as kind of a closing statement and say, this is how you really disagree agreeably. Like as you go into conversation, as you wade into these things, uh, this is the one piece of advice I would give you. Um. Always aim to keep the relationship open, keep the conversation moving. Yeah. Um, that's it. You're not looking for a conclusion in the conversation. Keep the conversation open and know that, it's again, it's going to be a marinating, not a microwaving process. Yes, be patient, take be time. Be patient, take time. Love the person enough to have the uncomfortable conversation, but also love them enough to be patient enough to mm -hmm. walk them through the process. Keep, keep choosing to love. Keep choosing, keep choosing, and keep. And, and, and guys, I've seen this play out. My dad came to Christ uh, a few years ago, and, uh, and so uh, that was, it took nearly 20 years of sharing mm -hmm. with him to see wow. that come to fruition. And, uh, but, man, you continue to choose love. Choose love, choose love, choose love. And not the world's version of love, Christ version of love. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's huge. Well, this has been Lead right. Defend. Lead Defend, the event, is always around the corner. And so be sure to check out leaddefend.org for more information on that. Uh, until next time, this has been Brock and Ryan with Chris Coleman. That's it for this episode of Lead Defend. To hear more episodes from the Lead Defend crew, visit absc.org slash podcasts. If you liked what you heard, rate and review us on your favorite podcast listening site. Want to learn more information about the next Lead Defend conference? Visit leaddefend.org.